Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Oh man, it's a good day outside. If you looked outside, I'm I'm already sliding down that water slide because it's it's going to be a good day. There is no weight limit. There is no weight limit. The power of the Lord is going to hold that thing up. No, okay, right. it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And uh, also after service, we have well, it's kind of a continuation. We have baptisms right after. I think we have five people getting baptized today. Super excited about that. And you know what? Who knows? We may have more. You know, you never know what God does in people's lives today. So uh, super excited to be here today. I, we have a lot of stuff going on, but I do want to let you know about a new opportunity that you, we have uh, to serve a great ministry in our town, a para-ministry. Para means to come alongside. So it's a ministry that comes alongside the local church to provide for the community. And that ministry is Grace House. How many of you know what Grace House is? Okay. With all, all the, the stuff going on in our world and on our country, uh, uh, with, with abortions becoming harder and harder for people to do, and, and thank God for, for, for people stepping up and, and doing the right thing there and, and those wrongs being made right. But we have a responsibility as a church to also help those people that are, that are pregnant and help families because, you know, it's hard. It's a hard time to raise a child, and so they need help. And I think it's, it's, it's one of the main uh, responsibilities of the local church to step up and to fill in that gap and to help the families in our community, to help them give them what they need, to help them become great parents, because a lot of parents just don't think that they have what it takes to raise a kid. And you know what? You don't. I'm just telling you right now, you don't have what it takes, but God does, right? And so, but, but we can come alongside and Grace House comes alongside and helps parents uh, give them the equipment they need to to do that. And so uh, Rebecca Masters has come up. Where is Rebecca? No, she went and sat down. Thank you, Rebecca. So she came to me. It was right after the court decision to throw down Roe v. Wade. And, and she, she said, hey, do we help Grace House? I said, yeah, we do. We support them on a monthly basis. But she said, I think we really need to, to, to support them even better. I said, hey, why don't you be our liaison as a church? So this is just a rule for you guys. So if you come to me wanting to start a ministry, I'm going to throw it right back at you and say, hey, God gave you that. Go get them. Right. And so um, but Rebecca has stepped up big time and she loves what the work. What, uh, she's in that line of field anyway. She's in the medical field. So um, she loves what they're doing. So I asked her to go check out Grace House, see where we can get more involved. And so she's going to let you know how you can be more involved and what we can do. So we're going to do some things monthly, and we're going to help serve in periodic time. So I'm going to give you the mic, and I'm going to let you go. Okay. Okay, here you go. He didn't give me a time limit, so. No time limit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm 
just kidding. Um, I really have a million things to say, but I don't really know what to say. So just ask the Lord to make sure I tell you what you need to know, at least this time around. And you said a lot of what <clears throat> I was thinking, you know, for me personally, my, I'm, how old am I? 45. I think I'm 45, right, Kelly? They always have to remind me how old I am. I think I'm 45, and my whole life I've been praying that the Supreme Court would do what it did, and um, so when that happened, of course, I was rejoicing, and I felt like the Lord go, okay, now step up, and um, so that's what I went to Pastor Neil about, and you know, how can we step up as a church, and so I'm going to be throwing some things at you in the future of how you can come volunteer, and um, so my, my, this time, I'm just asking that you do three things. I'm going to say, one, that you would pray for the ministry. There's two avenues for this ministry. They have Options Clinic, which is the medical clinic where women can come do ultrasounds and see the little heartbeat and see all the things so they can actually um, get things checked out. Um, and <clears throat> they actually need help there when you do get training for that. If you have any um, nurses here, you can get training to do sonograms. They always need help with that. And then um, the Grace House ministry side, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard about, they actually just opened another um, branch in Mineral Wells, which is awesome, and they're getting that set up. And um, so they always need volunteers. There's volunteer for literally anything you can think of from IT to taking donations home, laundry, doing the laundry, bringing it back clean and folded. They have a boutique, which is a big, big support. And that's where I think I'm, I'm asking first for us to help. Um, they, as we expect an increase in little lives being born, we need to step up and fill that gap. And as I spoke to them, I asked if there had been you know, if they'd seen any changes with our economics, the way that, that that's going on right now, I know things are a little tough for people. And she said, you know, this is the first time um, in the history of Grace House that we've ever actually had to go out and buy things for the boutique. Usually those gaps are filled by local churches and people helping. And she said, this is the first time we've ever actually had to do that. So we're hopefully going to help fill that and that they don't have to keep going out and buying that. Um, and each each month they have a newsletter and, and I highly recommend that if you're interested in helping this ministry and knowing more about it, their monthly newsletter will tell you everything they've done in the last month, how many clients they've seen, um, you know, anybody that's given their life to the Lord, because obviously that's number one in the ministry too. And um, so it tells you what they've done for the month, what they have going on in the future, and what their focus needs are for the boutique or for options. Um, and so I have a yellow legal pad outside on the table. If you want to get on the, the monthly newsletter, put your name, your address, and I'll get you hooked up so that that'll come to you once a month. And it'll give you lots of good information. The other thing that I'm asking is um, I made a big bucket out there. You probably saw it when you walked in. It says Grace House, and it has a big green thing that says Focus. And so we're going to have a focus. Each month they put out what they really need, what, what they're short on. She said always wipes, always the larger size diapers. And so this, this maybe month, six weeks, we're going to focus on size four, size five diapers and wipes. And I expect to dump that thing a couple of times. I told him I'm go big or go home. I, was right. get, I wasn't going to get a small bucket. So um, anyway, so I'm going to be keeping an eye on that. And I, so I'm asking for you to pray for the ministry. Pray about what your role could be, whether it's volunteering. And we'll get into that more later, whether it's volunteering or um, nominal donations or helping fill that bucket. Um, and that can be, you know giving up a Starbucks twice a week for a 
package of diapers, or if you're like me, HTO a couple of times a week, Ugh, and getting diapers. Um, but and then third, if you want to get on the newsletter to get more information. Thanks. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. So what are you going to do? You're going to pray. You're going to serve somewhere. You're going to sign up for the newsletter. You're going to give as much as you can, when you can, towards that ministry. Um, and I want to say thank you guys so much. You guys stepped up huge with the, with the clothes drive. I was like, no more clothes, please. Like, I would show up. There's like bags in front of the church. I'm like, where are we going to put all these clothes? Um, so thank you, overflowing with clothes. So don't bring any more clothes. All right, we're good. Bring diapers, size four, size five, wipes. And then we're going to bless the snot out of Grace House and what they do. It's so good. I know. Hey, you know, okay, you got to give me some grace. We've been doing VBS since Wednesday from, like, we've been getting here like at four or five. Some of us earlier, not me, uh, but some of us have been getting earlier and leaving here at nine o'clock every night. And it's high energy, but it's good, and it's been an amazing time. So uh, at the end of service, the VBS, the kids are going to come. They're going to share a little about what happened at VBS give you some, a rundown, then they're going to teach you a new dance, and we're going to do that next Sunday, every Sunday, to get you going, so it's going to be good. Just kidding. Every Sunday. Aerobics every Sunday. I do want to remind you also, just a quick uh, announcement. Next week is our Discover class, so you don't, if you don't know, if you're not understanding what Discover class is, it's, it's basically our next steps class, so when you come to this church, you're like, man, how do I get involved? How do I figure out what, what this church is about. Um, how do I grow in my faith with Christ? That's what Discover Class is. We give you, it's about a two-hour class. We just run you through the vision of the church, how you can be involved, but also how you can grow in your faith. There's so many, uh, there's so many ways to grow in your faith, and so we give you some opportunities to do that as well, and also find a place to serve, because you know what? If you're not serving, as, as one pastor I always heard, you're swerving. You know, you're not, no one's going on. You're just, if you're not swer- serving, you're swerving. And so you need to serve. You need to be involved. And it takes a church, man, to make this thing work. And you guys stepped up so big this week. I was telling my wife this morning when we were praying together, and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm just, these are happy tears because of you amazing people in this church, man. You just, you bless me. And, and I know it makes God's heart so happy to see you all stepping up. And I just told her, it's like, we have such amazing people in this church. Like, I don't, I can't believe that God put, you know, I deserve a bunch of mean people, but God, you've given, you've given this church a great people. And so thank you for serving for that. Thank you guys. You guys are awesome. All right. Do we have time left for the message a little bit? So, all right. Acts, we're, we're still in Acts. We're going to be in Acts until... We, we're not, okay, so, <laughs> till we're not. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're in Acts chapter 18 today, and I want to talk to you about, um, about what's going on here. So, we are right in the middle of Paul's second missionary journey, and he is going from town to town preaching the gospel, going to the synagogues first, right? That was kind of his mode. We talked about that last week. He would go to a synagogue, he'd tell the Jews there about Jesus, the Messiah, and Lo and behold, some would come to faith, but most of the time, a lot of these Jewish people were like, Paul, you're crazy. We're not going to listen to you. Get out of here. They kick him out of town. They try to run him out of town. But 
Paul's finding out that when he's preaching, these Gentiles are eating up this message of, G- of Jesus and, and more Gentiles are coming to faith than Jews through his ministry. And we're going to kind of see this come to full head here in this church in Corinthians. And Paul's going to kind of say, you know what, I'm still going to preach to the Jew, but God's doing something powerfully to the Gentile through me. And I'm going to step into that, that ministry. I'm going to step into that, that tension of what God's doing. And so Paul is walking into Corinth. And so I did a lot of history. I'm a history nerd. I love reading history. I love diving in. And there's a lot of historical stuff going on here in this very chapter of Acts, Acts chapter 18. Um, We see uh, a little bit going on here. We're going to dive into that as we read it. So I'm not going to jump ahead. But you can trust the historical accuracy of the text that we read in Scripture. It's been backed up. You can look at it, the dates line up, the things line up, and Acts, everything lines up. And we're going to even, while we're reading this today, see where where the writer, the Luke, who wrote Acts, lines up the historical fact of some of these people in in Scripture. And so we're going to look at that. You can trust your Bible, guys. You can trust the Word of God. They've tried to disprove this thing over and over and over, and the more they try, the more it kind of solidifies itself that this is... These things are fact. These things are true. These things are, are not written or made up. And so I want to talk to you about the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church had a special place in Paul's heart because Paul spent a lot of time in Corinth. And Corinth was one of those places, just a little background, a little cultural background. Corinth was not a good place to be. Um, the Corinthians were not known for being just these moral upright people. The Corinthians were kind of known for the lack of morality. And there was actually a Greek term for the Corinthian church. I'm going to probably slaughter this word. It's, it's, they say this, it would be, I think I have it up there, maybe. Corinth, yeah, there it is. That'll help us. Corinthius Cisdea, something like that. Yeah. But it means to live immorally, to live like a Corinth, Corinthian. Oh, you're living like a Corinthian. Oh, you're living immoral. So the people in Corinth were not known for being moral and upright. They were actually known for quite less, like some other cities we know in the United States, right? It's like, hmm, you go to that city, you're not living right. We know that they're not tied to, to moral excellence. And so Corinth was kind of one of those hubs. So Paul walks into Corinth, and he's, he, he just left Athens. He was kind of run out of Athens, right? And so he steps into Corinth. And he's like, what am I going to do with all these people? Uh, How am I supposed to reach them? How am I supposed to preach to them? And we read as Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians, as he's writing back, thinking about his time with them. He writes this in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And I want to open up this whole message with what Paul says here. He says, when I first came to you, dear Corinthian brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan for I decided what, while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus. It's like, I'm not going to come at you with anything except for Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in my weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches like he did in Athens, he just left Athens. Remember, we, we talked about that last week where he he, he really reasoned with everybody. He says, I'm not going to do that when I walk into Corinthians. When I walk into this city, I'm just going to come to you with the name of Jesus. 
because it's about Jesus. Rather than using clever and persuasive speech, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Paul says, when I walk into this city, I want them to know the power of God. I want them to know that Jesus is Lord and God himself is going to make that known to him. Nothing I say is going to make people believe. And last week when we, we talked about people that, that don't believe, there's people that are hardcore atheists. Nothing I say, nothing I do will make you believe in Jesus. The only thing that will make you open up to the possibility of Jesus is the Holy Spirit opening up your heart to receive what the Lord wants to put in there. And that's why Paul walks into Corinthians with the same attitude. I'm coming into this town with just relying on the power of the Spirit and nothing but the word of Jesus Christ on my mouth. And that is a good attitude for us believers to walk into. And so we're going to walk in that to uh, Corinth with Paul in Acts chapter 18. And verse 1 is where we're going to start. And we're going to walk through this uh, through verse 17. And we're going to be taking a few detours in our Bible as we open up some of these passages. So Paul walks into Corinthians. Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy while Claudius Caesar deported all the Jews from, from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers, just as he was. And so when, when Paul walks in, he meets these people, these, this couple. He meets Aquila and Priscilla. And we notice by reading this that they were tent makers, that they were Jews, but they were also from Italy. And they were deported or kicked out of Italy because of this, this edict from the emperor Claudius. And we know that this edict is true because we have other historical documents, not just from the Bible, but we have also other historical documents stating about this edict. And I want to read uh, uh, one of these uh, theolo theological um, sources to you about what's happening here and why that edict was made. And so Luke, I'm just going to read what he wrote. Luke probably referred to the same incident the Roman historian Suetonius mentioned in his life of Claudius. So the, the, historical, the historian Suetonius wrote this book about the life of Claudius, and in it he talked about this edict. And in this edict, he said that Claudius expelled all the Jews because of a tumult or, a, or a, an uprising instigated by Crestus. C-H-E-C-H-R-E-S-T-U-S. But the later church historian Orosius dated this event during the ninth year of Claudius between January 25th, A.D. 49, and January 24th, A.D. 50. So if this date can be trusted, this sets a certain date for Paul's arrival in Corinth. And so since Aquila and Priscilla preceded him there, it's not likely that Paul would have arrived in Corinth before the middle of A.D. 49. And so the reference in Suetonius's account is significant for other reasons as well, likely attributing this tumult or this, this uprising among the Jews to Crestus resulted from his confusion over the name Christus, the Latin name for Christ. So this is evidence that Christianity had already reached Rome by A.D. 50. And so how would it have done so? Priscilla and Aquila came to Corinth. They were already believers from Rome, but Paul hadn't been to Rome yet. 
So how did they get saved, and how did the word of God get to Rome? Well, this, this historical document makes it seem that there were already believers in Rome. There was already an established church in Rome, and a lot of the things that were going on that Paul was seeing as he was walking into these synagogues, these Jews had come up against him preaching the name of Jesus. This was going on all over the empire. These Christians were getting saved. The Jews were getting mad. And so they were causing all these problems. And the biggest and most important thing in that time was Roman peace. They called it the Pax Romana. It was Roman peace. Like Roman peace above everything else. Just keep the peace. If you're going to be a problem, if you're going to cause problems, if you're going to if you're going to be, uh, if you're going to come in and, and cause issues, we're just going to kick you out of town, or worse, lock you up and have you beheaded. So the Pax Romana was like the biggest thing, the Roman peace. And so Claudius said, "I've had enough of you people. I've had enough of this. Just get out of Rome, all you, all you Jews, all you Jews, get out. Kicks them all out of Rome, and then they spread out. And so obviously, we believe that Priscilla and Aquila came from that, and they arrived in Corinth, and they met with Paul." here. So that's what's going on there. So we can trust the historical accuracy of this passage. And so we read in verse four, after meeting up with them, each Sabbath, Paul found a synagogue, like he always does, trying to convince the Jews and the Greeks alike. After Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all of his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah But when they opposed him and insulted him, Paul did this. He shook the dust from his clothes and said, Your blood is upon your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go preach to the Gentiles. Paul's like, I'm done with you people. You're not listening to me. I'm going to shake the dust from my feet. I'm going to go preach to the Gentiles. I'm innocent. Your blood is on your own hands. So where did Paul get this? This is referring back to the prophet Ezekiel. And when I read this passage in Ezekiel for the very first time, when I was studying Ezekiel, and I got to this passage, it made me really think about how I represent Christ, how I tell people about Jesus. And why don't I tell people about Jesus like Paul did? Why don't I share my faith? And and this passage actually alludes to us being responsible for other people not knowing the, the gospel. And so it's a, strong, it's a strong message. And this is a strong message from God to the prophet Ezekiel. He told, he told Ezekiel, I'm giving you a word to tell, and you better tell it, because if not, something bad's going to happen. So Ezekiel 3.17, he says this, Son of man, so he's speaking to Ezekiel, I have appointed you as a watchman for Israel. Whenever you receive a message from me, warn people immediately. If I warn the wicked, saying, you are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, they will die in their sins. And I will hold you responsible for their deaths. When I first read that, I'm like, oh my goodness. God can hold me responsible because I failed to tell them and I failed to warn them. It really shook me in my core. And then he goes on, if you warn them and they refuse to repent and keep on sinning, they will die in their sins, but you will have saved yourself because you obeyed me. So the lesson there is, is, is God's telling Ezekiel, you have to tell these people the truth. If you don't tell them the truth, then their blood is on your hands. We've had a lot of wildfires lately. If I see a wildfire coming, I know it's coming towards my neighbor's house, and I know my neighbor's 
blissfully unaware of the fire coming, and I leave and allow my neighbor, his home, and everything else to get burned up, who's responsible for that? I didn't cause the fire. But wouldn't I be responsible in some way for not telling my neighbor that death's coming for you? (laughs) Something bad's coming. You need to get out of your house. You need to warn them. And so as believers, we have a responsibility to tell people the truth about Jesus. And, and just to read that, it's, it's kind of a, it's a harsh thing. And for me, it kind of hit me really hard. I'm like, what do you mean God in me? If I don't tell my neighbor about Jesus and they go and they, they never repent, then somehow I'm responsible for that. But aren't they responsible for their own lives? Yeah, they are. But if I know the truth and I don't share the truth, if I know there's a danger and I don't tell people about the danger, then guess what? I'm somewhat responsible or as Jesus says, a lot responsible for their faith, for them not knowing. I, I think of a story that my wife was talking. She went to a women's retreat, and there was this, uh, this Muslim woman. She had come from, from I'm not sure where, was she, was she from Iran, maybe? And, uh, and she's saying she's been in the States for years and years and years. And nobody ever told her about Jesus. Because, and she didn't know anything about it. She, 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 was, she, she said that she would drive by and she would see people going to churches and she would wonder, what are these people going to church for? What's, what is this Jesus about? But nobody ever told her about Jesus. Until one day, somebody finally did talk to her about Jesus. And she gave her life to Christ. But I think so often we think that, well, they don't want to hear, the Muslim doesn't want to hear about Jesus. They already have their own faith. These people don't want to hear about Jesus. They just, they're, they're, maybe they're even hostile. We don't know how they're going to respond. Jesus may be sending you to that person because maybe their, your, your voice is the one that they're going to respond to. And so we have a responsibility, guys, to give them the gospel. And so he leaves them. He says, I'm going to go preach to the Jews, I mean, the Gentiles. From now on, and I love this. This is so funny. Verse 7. Then he left. He went to the home of Titius Justus, a Gentile who worshipped God and lived right next door to the synagogue. He's like, I'm leaving you guys. I'm going right next door. I'm going to preach to these Gentiles. So he's next door. He's preaching to the Gentiles. Gentiles are getting saved. And not only that, something amazing happens. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believes in the Lord and many others in Corinth also heard Paul become believer and became believers and were baptized. And so one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you and harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. I want to really focus on this for the most of this passage and this message today is this thing that happened to Paul. So Paul was preaching in Corinth. People were getting saved. Everywhere he went before this time, he would run into trouble. He had been beaten. He had been stoned and left for dead. He gets back up. He goes and preaches the word of God. Paul met resistance wherever he went, and it was harsh resistance. And now Jesus comes to him. The Lord comes to him in a dream and says this, don't be afraid. Speak out, don't be silent, for I am with you, 
and no one will attack and harm you. I would have some questions for God right now. Um, I mean, that's great. What about the last, you know, five, six years I've been doing this, Lord? Now, why can't you keep them off of me then? But he's saying, no, you're here for a reason. There's many in this city that need to hear the gospel. I'm not going to let anybody touch you because they're worth it. They're worth it. And I think so many of us, we're afraid to step out and we're afraid to tell people about Jesus because we have this great fear of man in our hearts. We're afraid of people. We're afraid of man. And this fear of man keeps us from doing what God's called us to do. We're afraid because we're afraid of how they're going to respond. We're afraid because they may not listen to us, so they may kick us out and say, you know what, I don't want to listen to you. Just get out of here. This fear of man keeps us from moving into the purposes of God. And I want to talk to you a little bit about how we get over this fear of the Lord. And I want to say this. If the Lord has called you to something, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Do it fearlessly. Be strong and courageous. Because if the Lord is for you, who can be against you, right? So I want to talk to you about what fear does. Paul here. God's telling Paul, don't be afraid. Do what? Speak out. The very first thing that fear does in our life, it silences us. It shuts us up. It keeps us from speaking out to other people. It keeps us from sharing the truth. In our spiritual journey, in our faith life, the number one thing that fear does is closes our mouth. It keeps us from sharing the gospel for other people. It silences not only our words, but fear silences the words of God into our ears. Fear becomes the greatest voice in our life. I know this because, guys, I've walked around with this fear for so long. And that fear dominates the whole part of your being. And you're afraid to talk out. You're afraid to say anything that somebody may not respond well to. And also, you're afraid to step into God's purpose because it's so big and it's so great and it's so wonderful, and, but it seems so scary because you don't know where you're going to land. And I'm looking at all of you, and not all of you are going to be pastors, not all of you are going to be in church ministry, but all of you are called to minister, and all of you are called to go and spread the gospel, and all of you are called to something. And the fear of man will keep you from your destiny. It will keep you from doing the very thing that God created you to do. And we fail to walk into it because we're afraid of what other people are going to think. And so Paul, and so God is telling Paul here, don't be afraid of these people. You do what I've called you to do. I'm with you. I am with you. So where does our fear come from? It's simply this. We don't know who God is. We don't really truly know or understand who God is. Because if you really truly understood who God was, you wouldn't be afraid. Is your God really bigger than the issue that you're coming up against? If he is, then you're not going to be afraid of it. And I think so many believers, we walk around not truly understanding and knowing God. And because of that, we're afraid of everything. Paul understood who God was. Paul knew that God was with him. And because God was with him, 
he didn't have to be afraid. He knew who God truly was. He knew that God was strong enough. He knew that God had the power. He knew that nothing could come up against him. If God was with him, Paul even wrote this, who can be against me? We see all through Scripture, God reminding his people, the people he called to a destiny, and he's called all of us to a destiny. He reminds them of this. Don't be afraid because what? I am with you. Don't be afraid because I am with you. He tells Paul, don't be afraid, Paul. I'm with you. Moses, on, on the mountaintop, he's speaking to this burning bush. And he's like, Moses, don't be afraid. I'm sending you to this impossible. I'm sending you to the most powerful man on the planet to ask them to set all of his workers free, but don't be afraid. You're an old man, Moses. You, ain't, you, know, you got nothing, but don't be afraid. It seems crazy, but don't be afraid because I am with you. There's something to that word, I am. He is the great I am. I am with you. He tells Joshua when he's leading two million slaves into battle and across the way, across this river, to go into the promised land, to take this, this promised land and to wipe out all of these kings and to take this territory. It's like, Joshua, these people aren't warriors, but don't be afraid. It's going to be a hard fight, but don't be afraid. There's giants in the land, but don't be afraid. You got to walk across this river, but don't be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. Don't be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous, Joshua. He tells Jeremiah the prophet, Jeremiah, I'm giving you a word that nobody's going to listen to. That sounds like a great job, right? I'm giving you a fool, fool's errand, Jeremy, Jeremiah. I'm giving, you, I'm giving you a word that everybody's going to reject, but don't be afraid because I'm with you. And if you read Jer the prophet Jeremiah, he's went through some stuff. But he says, don't be afraid because I'm with you. The prophet Isaiah, the same thing. He's like, don't be afraid. I'm with you, Isaiah. And through the prophet Isaiah, you see so many prophetic words about Jesus that we read today. And then Jesus himself sat with his disciples when he was about to descend into heaven. He says, guys, don't be afraid, for I'm with you till when? The end of the age. That means he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. We don't have to be afraid because we know that he is with us. Did you know the phrase, do not be afraid, is listed 365 times in your Bible? Some of y'all might know that, but some of you may not. You know, I think, I think it's in there because every day we need to be reminded to not be afraid. I think we would do well to wake up every day, get out of bed, and say, oh, I don't have to be afraid today because God's with me. Maybe look those up. Maybe find one every day to read. 365 times, don't be afraid. So God's saying every day, don't be afraid because I'm with you. <laughs> Here's what I found to be true. The Lord tells you don't be afraid because there's a reason to be afraid every time. There's always a reason to be afraid. You're going to step into hard things. You're going to get reports from the doctor. 
your kids are going to do things that are off the rail. You're going to walk into job situations where you're not going to know what to do. You're going to walk out the door and you don't know what to expect. There's plenty of things to fear. And so God tells us, don't be afraid because you know what? There's going to be moments and opportunities to be afraid. And I want to let you know today that fear is optional. God says, right here, fear is optional, guys. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to walk around in fear because I'm with you. Uncertainty is certain, but fear is optional. We don't have to be afraid. We can choose to remember that God is with us and to walk with him. Just like he walked with Moses, just like he walked with Joshua, just like he walked with the prophets, because God is the great deliverer. And so he tells Paul this, don't be afraid. I'm going to do something amazing through you. There's many in the city that need to hear the word of God. And you know what? There's many in this town that need to hear Jesus. All you got to do is go sit somewhere and listen to people's conversations. People are hurting. People are afraid. People are lost. They need the truth. And we have the truth, have a responsibility to tell them the truth. I was sitting in my favorite coffee shop this week, my coffee shop this week, and I was overhearing this conversation, and all I hear was, I'm afraid, I'm fearful. This whole conversation between these, these three people was just about how afraid they were, how fearful they were. They didn't know how the world had, you know, the world was gone crazy, and they were just didn't want to wake up anymore every day. And I'm sitting there going, man, God's good. I don't know what you guys are scared. <laughs> I know where my future is. But it was a reminder that there's people out there that are walking terrified because they don't know the truth. But we know the truth. So Paul tells them this, right? God tells them, don't be afraid. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. But when Gallio became governor of Achaia, some Jews rose up against, together against Paul and brought him before the governor for judgment. Like I said, when God tells you don't be afraid, there's always going to be a, a reason to be afraid. So Paul stayed there. These people, Jews came up, raised him up and brought him to Gallio. And then they come to him and they accuse him before the governor for judgment. And they accuse Paul of this, persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to our law. But get this, but just as Paul started to make his defense, Gallio turned to Paul's accusers and said, listen, you Jews, if this were a case involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, I would have a reason to accept your case. But since it is merely a question of words and names and your Jewish law, take care of yourselves. I refuse to judge such matters. And he threw them out of the courtroom. So Paul is about to get up and defend himself like he always does. But before that, the governor himself steps in and goes, get out of my courtroom. I don't have time for this junk. And I love what happens next. Verse 17. The crowd then grabbed Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him right there in the courtroom. But Gallio paid no attention. <laughs> Judge Judy. Have you ever seen? I haven't, I haven't watched that. It's probably a good thing. 
As you read this story and you look at Paul, Paul's journey here in Corinth, you can understand a whole lot more of his letters and where he's coming from and understand why he says the things that he says. Paul says in his letters, don't seek justice, but leave room for the Lord. Maybe it came from this. I'm about to speak up. I'm about to defend myself. And then the Lord steps in. And my very accuser is beaten before me. And I walk away. And I think so many of us need to leave room for the Lord, his wrath. Because we try to take things in our own hand. We try to be judge, jury, and executioner. That's not our job. That's God's job. And he deals justly. And you may not be getting justice right now, but they, there will be justice. That's a guarantee because that's who God is. Paul understood this. Paul walked in, in certainty. Paul walked without fear. And he says this in Romans 8, 31. What shall we say about all these wonderful things as these? He's talking about all the trials, all the tribulations, all the things he's been through. What can we say about all these things? If God is for us, who can never be against us? And then in 2 Corinthians, he writes to the church again. Second letter. First one was kind of blasting them. Second one's kind of loving on them. And so in 2 Corinthians, he says this. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. But, in fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us in mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence and him, and we will continue, and he will continue to rescue us. Why? Because he's seen it before. And I'm telling you today, guys, some of you today are terrified of life because there's things coming up against you. But I want you to know today that God will save. God is a saving God. He can raise people from the dead. There is a resurrection. There is a life. This is not our hope. Sorry to tell you that. This is not our hope. Thank God for that. Our hope is in Jesus. There is an eternity. There is something better on the other side. But while we're here, while we're in this reality, we have responsibility to tell people about the faith and the hope that we have. How can you walk in? and not be afraid when everybody else is terrified? How can you walk into a situation and keep a cool head and not be afraid? When everybody else is scattered and when everybody else is posting things on social media because they're terrified and scared, how can you be the only sound person in the room? It's because you know the truth. You know that Jesus has it all under control. And you know who Jesus is. And because you know who Jesus is, when he says, I'm with you, it makes a difference. 
and a lot of our fears, guys, because like I said, I walked in it for a long time, is because I didn't realize who was with me, like truly. I knew God was with me, but I didn't know the magnitude of who God was. And when you realize who God truly is, that he is truly who he says he is, you don't have to walk in fear. You can walk in confidence, and you don't have to be afraid. Amen. If I can get Christian to come up, I want to close in this this way. And I'm probably going to answer this altar call. Or I am going to answer it. (laughs) No, probably. There's people that God has placed in our lives. That he has asked us to tell them our story. He has asked us to share our faith with. And we haven't done it. Because we've been afraid. Or we've been giving God all the scenarios of why they're not going to listen. Or why, why it doesn't matter. But that's not our responsibility. As God told Ezekiel, the the results aren't up to you. The results are up to me. That's God. I'm just asking you to be the delivery boy. And so God may be asking you today to be the delivery person. To be the person to go and take the gospel to somebody. To tell them the truth of God. To tell them that their sins can be forgiven to tell them that God can create in them something beautiful and something new, something they've never experienced before, that God has a life that is beyond life for them. And you simply tell them by telling them your testimony. But fear keeps your testimony silent. And your testimony is the most powerful weapon you have against the enemy. Your own story cannot be argued against. Nobody can argue against your story because it's your story. But yet that's the very thing the enemy silences through fear. Fear is a snare that keeps you from sharing your testimony. And so here's the altar call this week that you would go share your testimony with that person. You know who they are. God's bringing them to your mind right now. He's saying, come on, it's time. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. You never know what God can do through simple obedience. You never know. All you got to do is step out in faith. Take the step of faith, saying, God, I know you're with me. I know you've got me. I'm just going to share my story with this person. You don't have to have all the, all the answers for them. You don't have to explain deep theology with them. You don't have to go into the millennial reign of Christ or any of that stuff. All you got to do is simply tell them your story. I was once this way, now I'm this way. I was blind, but now I see. I was deaf, but now I hear. I was dead, but now I'm alive. That's your testimony. That's everybody's testimony. It just looks different. And here in a moment, we're going to go do baptisms, and we're going to hear some testimonies. Their story of I was blind, and now I see. I was deaf, and now I hear. I was dead, but now I'm alive. That's our story. Don't let the enemy silence it. Don't be afraid. God is with you. God is for you. Amen. Let's stand. Father God, I thank you for today. 
I thank you for everyone in here. God, I pray that you would let us step out in boldness. Lord, that we would hear your voice just like Paul did, saying, don't be afraid, don't be silent. Speak up. Tell people about Jesus because I'm with you. And because I am with you, no one can hurt you. No one can hurt you. You're invincible. Doesn't mean we won't, doesn't mean bad things can't happen to us. But we know that there's an eternity waiting for us. This body can die, but it will be raised to life again. So what do we have to fear? Nothing. So Father, I pray right now that you give us boldness and courage to go speak out and to bring other people to faith. Lord, I pray that as this church marches out, God, that the spirit would go with them and that as they share their story, God, that people would come to life and say yes to you, Jesus, because they've been waiting for that story. They've been waiting to hear about the one that can truly set them free, that they're waiting to hear of the one that can truly forgive their sins, that they're waiting to hear about the one who can truly redeem everything about them. And Lord, we thank you for that redeeming grace. We thank you for this story. We thank you for this message. We thank you, God, for Paul's ministry. To, to this Corinthian church so that we can understand that you are our vindicator. That's you, God. You fight on our behalf. And so we can live our life courageous. We thank you for that, Lord. Let us answer that call. God, I'm raising my hand, Lord. I'm gonna answer that call. I'm gonna share my testimony this week with that person I've been holding off sharing it to. Give me an opportunity this week, Father to share my testimony with that person. Lord, I pray that this, that this is everybody's prayer this week. God, we thank you for that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.